This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 293. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, today we talk with the very interesting Jacob Breyers from the Bacardi Company. But first, as you're probably aware, as I record this, Tennessee was recently hit with a series of very destructive tornadoes. Nashville was hit very hard, which is a great town and one that has a lot of hospitality workers. Uh, the day after the tornadoes, I saw on my Facebook feed a picture of a Nashville bar that was completely torn apart. Nobody was hurt at that place, luckily, but uh, they're going to be out of business for quite a, quite a while, I imagine. Our love and thoughts are with those impacted by this tragedy, but we'd also like to provide some information on relief efforts for industry professionals in need of assistance led by the Nashville USBG, United States Bartenders Guild chapter. We shared some information already on social media, but a couple more things we'd like to bring up. The Bartender Emergency Assistance Program through the National United States Bartender Guild Foundation. It provides emergency relief grants to bartenders and also CORE Gives. They provide assistance to industry professionals and families. We'll have those resources listed for you on the Bartender Journey site, bartenderjourney.net. But you can also follow the Facebook page for the Nashville USBG, and that provides up-to-date information on the list of places impacted and bars that are hiring for those displaced. We at Bartender Journey send our support and wishes for speedy recovery. Okay, let's talk to Jacob Breyers. Sorry, there may be a few weird audio dropouts. Seems like I need to get a couple of new mic cables. All right, we're here with Jacob Breyers. Nice to see you again, sir. Fantastic. Lovely yeah. to see you. Yeah. Uh, thanks right. for coming. If you remember, we, we spoke yep. to Tales of the Cocktail. It's got to be three or four years ago. Now. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Were, were we upstairs yeah. at Napoleon? We were at uh, or, uh, or Kingfish. Kingfish. Kingfish, yeah. yeah. All those beautiful old restaurants fade into into one. But yes, yeah, it's great great to see you again. Thanks it's for coming to me. Same here. Thanks for coming into Manhattan to, yeah. uh, to chat to us on this cold, grim day. It is cold. The yeah. <laughs> wind is cold and rainy. That's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so your title is Global Global Advocacy. I can't even pronounce it. That's you, okay. You, it's one of those made up titles. Well, that, anyway, well that's so, what I was about to say. It sounds yeah. fancy, and I don't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Glo- global advocacy director. I guess it means. Uh, um, well, we tr- sort of we work with people who we would like to recommend our, our brands and our products and our spirits uh, to others on our behalf. So, mm. um, in practice, it means that I look after an extended team of brand ambassadors, uh, both globally and sort of within our key regions, mm. um, and things like our training programs, which we deliver to bars and restaurants, uh, cocktail competitions, you know, all of that sort of thing. Uh, that anything that gets bartenders and other spirits enthusiasts um, excited about about our you know our spirits and and I guess just also cocktails and spirits generally uh, mm. sort of falls into 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 kind of my my universe. I guess. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's a ridiculous title, and every time I go through <laughs> customs, I have to explain what it means. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the more ridiculous the title, the uh, the usually the uh, the less work you really do, right? So. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's a, the Bacardi competition is a very big deal. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, no, it's we it's the largest single single brand uh, cocktail competition in the world, and yeah. so we you know it's uh, stretching now to uh, more than fifty plus countries took part. We have a wild card for kind of a whole series of countries that have never been, really been reached. By cocktail competitions before, oh, nice. um, been running a decade, and we have about uh, you know around ten to fifteen thousand bartenders who enter it, and, and then it gets whittled down to uh, forty who will make it to Miami later this year. So, in terms of both scale and scope, and also just I think the length of time that it takes to, to really you know, succeed in that competition, right. it's one of the very biggest in the world. Yeah, I've spoken to several people who competed, and yeah. I, I know it's a it's, it's a lot of work. 
But hopefully, I, hopefully they had good things yeah. to say. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. But um, what what I love about that competition in particular is it's the idea is to make a drink that'll become a classic that's yeah. easy to make in any bar in the world, right? Whereas yeah, right. so many competitions are about making weird shrubs or fat wash stuff or whatever. But here's something we're looking to, you know, that anybody can really reproduce. Yeah, uh, I, I think if you look at you know kind of the classic cocktails that have spread around the world, most of them have been those that. You know, they might have one unusual ingredient. So if you look at uh, drinks like, you know, Julio Bermejo's Tommy's Margarita or Sam Ross with the penicillin, you know, they've taken a fairly classic formula of ingredients and they add one thing which might be, you know, unusual or hard to source. And so, um, and, you know, if you, many of the drinks that we see today, I mean, while they're fantastic and mind-bending in both the kind of ingredients and the techniques, you have to look at them and say, well, you know, will, will anybody be making this in a decade? Right. You know, whereas, the, you know, the, the formulas and the styles of drinks which tend to spread and, and get made all over the world tend to be fairly, you know, consistent, you know, the kind of either, yeah. either take no and ingredients and put them together in an unusual way or swap in, you know, an unusual ingredient into a known classic Right, is a pretty right. good formula. So. Yeah, yeah. But just, uh, yeah, I love that it's easily reproducible. That's, uh, I think that's a great thing. Yeah. So um, I wanted to ask you, uh, what, what do you think it takes to become a great brand ambassador, to be a great brand ambassador? Well, I've been very lucky over the last couple of years to work with some fantastic brand ambassadors, um, both on my team and also, you know, to admire a few from afar. Um, I've, I guess for us, um, you know, we've been lucky over the last couple of years to work with people like uh, Giuseppe Gallo, who was on Martini, Camille Vidal on Saint Germain, and uh, Joe McCanter uh, on Grey Goose, and Colin Appiah here in the US have, you know, all been kind of recognized at Tales of the Cocktail as being the very best in the world at what they do, which is great. Yeah. Um, so um, I think you know, we're lucky that we've built up a kind of you know a team or a family, as we really think of it at Bacardi, of of brand ambassadors who are really you know uh, really really good at what they do. So how how to begin? I mean, I guess um, the the skills that are required, I think, to be very very good at your job. Obviously, you need um, you know we we look brand ambassadors require a sort of element of expertise, so they need to know more um, about either their particular category or their particular kind of specialty, be it cocktails or, you know, vodka or whiskey or whatever field they're, whatever part of the industry they're in. Mm. They need to know more um, than just about anybody else in the room because obviously they're a source of knowledge and we'll probably talk about that in a second. And um, But they also, you know, we also have access and, you know, everybody carries around on their phone now a source of, you know, unbelievable knowledge. Right. So that's, you know, that I think brand ambassadors also great ones are, um, are, are, are sort of uh, confident yet humble, um, they, so they know also like what it is they don't know, and they're genuinely curious and passionate about what it is that they do. So they see a great drink, you know, being used, or you know, a great ingredient being paired at one bar. They can't wait to take that idea or that kind of way of doing things and share it with people at the next bar that they go to. Right. So they they're kind of uh, kind of networkers, and they they really bring bring ideas to life, and they and they really want to share and those ideas. So typically as well as people they're pretty contagious um, I guess obviously in the current climate maybe <laughs> yeah. contagious doesn't sound Wrong like word. a good thing but <laughs> one of the very first books I read when I was sort of starting out as a brand ambassador um, uh, was uh, the Malcolm Gladwell's book about the tipping point about how ideas spread I don't know if you know this but it sort yeah. of became an airport business you know oh, book God. that you know you'd see people on delayed flights reading right. anyway and he talks about the sort of three areas of expertise that people um, that ideas need in order to spread 
and so you need somebody who's like the um, the maven, the expert, mm. you know, who actually understands that this is this is a good thing in its kind of relative field, and then you need a networker, so somebody who can take you know that knowledge and expertise and, and let it spread, and then you need a salesperson. Somebody who actually wants to get out and kind of feed on the street, get that moving, and to me, great brand ambassadors will you know bring all three of those components together. Right. So they need to be experts. They need to be hugely networked, and they and they need to hustle, right. um, because you know uh, you know stuff. Great ideas can't exist in a bushel. So if a bartender was inter interested in pursuing that and um, brand ambassadorship, yeah. how how would they proceed? Typically, you know, first of all, find a brand that you love and admire. Um, it's very difficult for anybody, I think, to be a brand ambassador for a brand that they don't care about. Um, and they interested in that and you've got some brands that you love and you feel kind of aligned to your values and, and that you respect and have an affinity for, you should wait for them, mm. right? So you often see as well kind of brand ambassadors sort of, you see a small number of brand ambassadors sort of shuttling from job to job um, either because, you know, they're kind of looking for, you know, maybe this particular brand doesn't work for them or get them excited. And so um, I think you want to find you know, you want uh, you want to kind of wait for the brands that you truly care about because that's when it becomes much more than just work. Right. Um, and I think, uh, you, likewise, you know, brands have a different kind of funnel by which they tend to find these people as well. So they tend to find you, you know, if you work in a great cocktail bar, then make sure that you're, you know, available, make sure that you're there at work, make sure that you're making drinks with the brands that you love and care about, um, into the cocktail competitions that this brand, you know, is, is, uh, is, is putting on. I mean, for us, with Bacardi Legacy, I mean, it's a fantastic competition, but it also for us acts as a really amazing recruitment tool for brand ambassadors. Yeah, so yeah. anybody who's prepared to, um, it shows us, because, you know, if you can enter a cocktail competition and be successful, it shows us a lot about you. Right. It shows you're disciplined, it shows you're creative, it shows that you're hardworking, um, and those are the, the sorts of, yeah, <laughs> and you can usually stand up on stage and, you know, captivate somebody's attention for right. 10 to 15 minutes, which is, and those are the sorts of attributes that we look for in brand ambassadors anyway. Sure. Um, otherwise as well, you know, brand ambassadors themselves are very networked, so we tend to find, you know, our brand ambassador network is also the strongest kind of recruitment tool we have as well. So somebody says, oh, you know, if it's if you're interested in finding somebody who's really passionate about Scotch whiskey, you know, I know a girl or I know a guy um, in this particular, in this city. So, you know, that, that acts as a sort of recruitment as well. Yeah. But there are lots of these jobs and so, you know, um, I, my advice always is, you know, look for them, apply for them, and then if you don't get the one that you were particularly looking for, kind of ask yourself, you know, what is the what's the skills that you the the company felt you were missing, and mm. while you you know while it always feels a bit down, you know, you feel a bit downcast if you don't get the job, go away and say, right, I got some great advice in this you know recruitment process, and I, and they chose somebody that wasn't me, so what are the you know skills that I need to work on so that when the next time one of these jobs comes around i'm ready yeah yeah you, you touched on it briefly earlier but um I, you know i've noticed brand ambassadors never talk bad about another product and but they prom promote the yeah. category as a whole very much seems, so seems uh, like an important uh, yeah i mean i think point. it's a it's a cliche in our industry but uh, you know a rising tide lifts all boats yeah. and so um i think uh, first of all, I think, you know, generally you should be, you know, we're lucky in a world now where there aren't a huge amount of, uh, there's far more good spirits out there than there are bad spirits. Mm -hmm. And so typically, you know, m most, you know, uh, 
there's a lot of you know a lot of great whiskies and a lot of great gins and you know a lot of great tequilas and so yeah you know getting people excited about the category first is um, uh, is one of the best ways to bring new people into falling in love with tequila or falling in love with gin or whiskey or whatever it might be and then you've got to you know what you also want typically people are trying you know they're they're you know considering various different uh, tequilas or various different whiskies and they're trying to decide you know hey I think I like whiskey and I wish I knew a little more what's the right whiskey for me right just in the same way as if you were you know shopping for some shoes or shopping for a, you know any other uh, you know kind of a laptop right you're like yeah. oh here's the kind of what I'm looking for and like which in this world which of these seems to be the best right. so I think there's you know that 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 sort of sense um, I think you know so if you get people excited about tequila you're more likely to be able to sell your tequila to them and right. get them to want to drink your tequila and cocktails and that sort of thing. Yeah, because they want to so, know more. They want to know more about it and how it's made. And, yeah, and, and they're looking for well, what makes this a quality product. Yeah, or a little else. knowledge goes a very long way and tend to you know there's a strong overlap between kind of knowledge and enthusiasm. Mm. And so you know you don't need to be you don't need to know everything, but you know the more you know, the more enthused you tend to be mm -hmm. about a particular kind of subject. And in our case, that's spirits and cocktails. Right. So. If you're elevating, you know, and I think, you know, for us, I think most of um, the the training platforms that we have, I think, are very much about elevating the category first, um, and then um, and then kind of getting into, you know, the specifics. And once you sort of explain, you know, here's how vodka is made, here's how gin is made, and here's where they're made. Now let me tell you what I think is particularly special about, you know, Bombay Sapphire or Grey Goose Vodka or any whatever brand it is that you're actually there to to, to promote. Right. Um, and I think that's much more powerful than coming in and saying, you know, my brand is the best and all other brands suck. Right. Just, you know, <laughs> right. Um, I think uh, that's I, no fun for anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just think it. You know, I, I also think you know. Ultimately, um, we want people to feel like walking into a bar and seeing, you know, a dozen of any spirit is a great, you know, opportunity for them to learn and to explore. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think you know. I mean, I, I look at sort of the wine industry as being a really good parallel from a generation before. So you know. People typically realize that in order to get people really, really excited about buying this particular Pinot Noir, first you had to explain, you know, what is, what's the difference <laughs> between red wine and white right. wine? And, and why, 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 you know, what, what is this kind of grape and why does this particular country grow it well? And then in this, why does this particular region within the country do it best? And why do we think that this vineyard in this particular vintage above all others is where you should spend 40 to $50 on a bottle of wine, right? right. So that's a kind of, they, they, they created a sort of pathway for understanding and, yeah. you know, turned wine into a multi-billion dollar business. Right, right. So it, it, Going a little step back to yeah. the um, brand ambassadors are, are there mostly to, uh, to a lot of what they do is talk to bartenders who sort of become by proxy, if you do it right, another brand ambassador, right? Is that that's sort of the that's sort of the whole crux of the of the thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, I think we're doing two sort of elements. I think um, brand brand education and and category education and spirits education generally helps make those bartenders more confident, and that means mm -hmm. that five five nights a week, six nights a week, they're talking to the, their guests, who are going to also become more confident and knowledgeable about ordering spirits. But yes, when you truly connect with, um, I think when a brand ambassador is able to truly connect with a bartender and explain to them, you know, here's how this is made. Here's why we think it's different. 
different. Um, here's the story of this product, and then also here's how you can use it, and here's how it, you know, is going to uh, add excitement to your guests that walk in. And by the way, here's some cool, you know, training programs we're doing. Here's a great cocktail competition you can enter. When you put all of those things together for for uh, those opportunities for a bartender, education, chance to promote their career, all of those. Sorts things, then you're right. They do become a really powerful advocate for the, you know, the brands that they love. Yeah. And I think with any industry, I suppose, but I, I, I see it with bartenders and I bartend myself. So I, if, I, I always feel like if you're not learning, mm-hmm. you're, you're just, you're going backwards, you know? Yeah. I, I always feel like I, I want to learn more all the time and, 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 and to know the story of, of a particular brand and, and to even to meet the people who make it is a really powerful thing I've always found. Yeah, I think it's um, all of those things are kind of so critical, right? Because you, all of that knowledge you take, you literally distill, no pun intended, down to something that becomes, you know, a selling tool for you. So, and you you then need to understand, you know, what's how might I talk about this particular spirit or or brand on a Saturday night, and then how might I go more in depth if I'm working on a Tuesday and somebody's got a bit more time, and uh, and the best way to do that is you know through brand brand ambassador led education on. Because uh, I think there you're able to get a bit of insight, like you say, from you know from the, either the people who make it or go behind the scenes and understand the process, and also just get you know the insight of this expert on a particular brand or a particular spirit or a particular category. It seems to me not everyone in the bar and restaurant industry knows that there's so many resources available mm. to them for for at no cost really. Um, but how, how, what's the best way for? It, it may, especially in a smaller market where you're, you're not seeing the brand ambassadors on a daily basis, you know, how, how, how can they reach out and, and take, take advantage of these resources that are available? Some of that education is online. So, uh, you know, go to brand websites, go to, uh, but also see things like podcasts such as this one um, and uh, and YouTube and you'll see, you'll get a huge amount of content there. So being able to see like where particular brands and particular brand ambassadors are, you know, uh, uh, you know, say giving a talk somewhere or even conducting tastings online and those sorts of things. But there's nothing better, as you say, than kind of having an expert come into your bar, take your entire staff through and, and you'd be able to answer those questions as well. It feels extremely personal to be able to do that. So the best way to do that, obviously, as you rightly point out, we tend to put... Um, our brand our ambassador resources where the biggest populations are, right. um, but they do travel to a, a ridiculous degree as well. So um, perhaps too much, mm-hmm. and uh, and so um, ideally, you know, find so in the US it's the distributor, typically. Um, so you can go to whoever your relevant salesperson is and says, you know, our staff are really excited about this particular product, and we'd love to know a little bit more about it. Like, does the, you know, does the distiller or the brand ambassador or does anybody ever come, you know, come through this town? And chances are, chances are they will, right? right. Um, and what they're also in the U.S. as well, you're extremely lucky where you have extremely well-resourced distributors. So our distributor, Southern Glazers, um, and then you know some of these other distributors are bigger than many of the spirits companies themselves, yeah. um, which is um, a very unusual scenario. And I think that's quite unique to the U.S. because in many other um, markets, the distributor just is generally a kind of 
shipper, but I mean, you have extraordinary resources just with, say, Southern Glazers here as a distributor able to provide enormous amounts of information. But ultimately, you can say, well, that's great. I'm super excited to learn more about that. But, you know, we'd really one day love to have the master distiller or the, uh, you know, the brand ambassador for this brand. My staff love this. You know, can you ever make it happen? And you would be surprised how often it does happen. First of all, the, you know, brand ambassadors are a traveling resource and distillers are as well. Their time is precious because they're supposed to be most of the time back in the, at the distillery making whatever it is that, that uh, we're, we're trying to sell. But you'd be amazed how people will tack on a trip to find, you know, to go and speak to a super passionate uh, bartender audience. So back when I was a, a brand ambassador, I mean, I went to some towns that were um, a couple of hundred people just because we got a note from, you know, an F&B director at a tiny hotel who said, you know, my, my team really, really love this vodka that you work with. Could you come and give us a training? It was like, sure, okay. Um, you know, I've probably been to, I think probably the furthest I've ever traveled for a single training was like six or seven hours uh, to get to you know, extremely remote, remote locations. But those are the kind of moments that, that become kind of part of like the legend and, and really make the staff at a particular place fall in love with, you know, one. So, you know, it doesn't replace kind of the, the product itself. The, the spirit has to stack up, um, first of all. And But generally, if you've got people who, who love this particular product already and then you make that kind of effort, you'll tend to turn that into a kind of, you know, an, an embassy you know, that of, uh, of enthusiasm for, for your particular spirit or brand. Right. And so what goes on in, in those trainings exactly? Can you explain um, that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, typically, of course, you know, the, the job ultimately is, um, you know, you and you've got a... You know, you've got a particular spirit that you think is amazing, you know, best in class in its category, or you'd hope so, or has a fascinating story, or just happens to be made by a distributor, that, you know, sorry, a distiller who, who thinks that there's something super interesting. So typically, you know, the aim is to provide a huge amount of knowledge and insight, right, so that you can understand why this is a particularly good spirit or cocktail. So it would depend, the aim would be, I mean, a typical training might be set up, first of all, ideally, before you even get there, you would, uh, you would have said, you know, either to um, the you know local uh, rep of say the United States Bartenders Guild, it might be, or or some kind of equivalent to that, who may have organised the training. You know, what is it that bartenders in this particular town or in this particular bar want to know about this spirit or category or cocktails? So hopefully you're able to tailor something that meets the needs of the audience you want to talk to. Um, and then you would typically kind of set up. I mean, mo many trainings follow a fairly you know standard formula, right? So a little bit of explaining, you know, what is this particular product or spirit? Uh, are there any, where does it come from? What are the particular rules of this category? And how does the spirit that I'm going to be talking about most of all fit into those kinds of rules? Where did it come from? So what's the historical context? And I think what's true for bartenders is also true for um, their guests as well. So it typically tends to be, you know, how, how do you as a bartender like to sell um, or talk about the spirits to the guests that you're serving? Right. So some people love to fit their, you know, spirits that they're drinking into the historical context. So I think, you know, spirits like, um, you know, gin have just got an extraordinary history. So you can't talk about, say, you know, if I was going to come and talk to you about Bombay Sapphire, I'd probably want to kind of start explaining how did we get to the gin category? You know, where, how did it get around the world? How did it fall out of fashion? How did it come back? You know, that's an interesting kind of context, which then explains why we think Bombay Sapphire is so special. Um, in other instances, the history is probably best 
shied away from a little bit. I mean, the instance of rum, you know, it's extremely hard to talk, you know, the history of rum is kind of historically, a, you know, history, story of human misery. You know, so you have to sort of make, you know, you have to make kind of judgments about where you, th what's the kind of right level of historical context. And But I think for most people, it enables you to understand both spirits and cocktails, like how did we get to here? But then ultimately what you really want to be doing is a kind of tasting. So, you know, putting, putting um, spirits in a glass in front of bartenders and saying, right, these various examples, here's what's consistent about them, here's how, what, each, what makes each of them is unique, here's how, the, you know, the particular production, which enables us to understand how each of them tastes the way it does, what are the choices that the distiller or the blender made to make them taste that way, and then, you know, ultimately why, you know, the so what, right? So these spirits are great on their own, but for, I think for bartenders, the primary re interest is now what can I do with them? Right. And so, you know, what, what, um, how either what are the cool stories that I'm going to be able to use to sell them to my guests, or what are the amazing drink experiences that I'm going to be able to create uh, using these products, and what's you know what works well and what doesn't work well with this particular spirit. And again, you know, the reason why brand ambassadors are so good at that is they've probably made more cocktails of that particular spirit than any you know standard bartender. Therefore, they have the best expertise about these things work really well, and these things are a little more challenging and then if you mix these two or three ingredients with our spirit, it's not going to work so well, mm -hmm. right? And they're able to tell you, like, the best fit for this, you know, our spirit is best in this style of drink. And that's an extremely powerful bit of insight to get right. from a brand training. I think it may have been the same year we recorded together last at um, Tales of the Cocktail. You did a said talk with, with Simon oh, Ford, yeah. uh, what, what makes, makes a great, great bar. bar. Yeah. That was really great. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit, what do you, what do you think makes a great bar? <laughs> what makes a great bar? Um, wow. That is a, 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 a very open-ended question. And I think, um, I think we're lucky now that we live in a world where there are just so many great bars. And I think the formulas have been broken open a little bit. So there's a lot more distinction. I mean, for me, um, really great operators like, you know, the guys at the Dead Rabbit, you know, you, you can tell that their staff understand why they're there. They all understand what they're supposed to be doing. And they all know their place in making this enormous machine kind of run. Employees only, you know, on the west side here in New York as well was another similar one. Like they all understood exactly their role in the, in kind of making that the whole thing tick and I think that's you know I love walking into a bar where I'm like man every single staff member here knows exactly what they're supposed to be doing at exactly the right point this is a well-oiled machine um, and then ultimately I love you know kind of just you know ultimately well well-made drinks um, but you know and I and increasingly as I get a bit older I'm probably less excited about drinking kind of new drinks as I am about you know just you know I get much more pleasure these days out of drinking a really well-made daiquiri you know obviously Working for Bacardi, you drink a lot of daiquiris. <laughs> well, yeah, we were talking about how diverse the category of rum mm. is. Yeah. And um, I think maybe that's almost a problem with consumers because it's, it's a little confusing and overwhelming to, to, to get a finger on what, you know, what, what rum is because it's so diverse. Yeah, I think um, why has rum not been sort of as successful as, you know, why, you know, gin, which is super easy to understand, or, you know, single malt whiskey. But I also think it's... Um, 
I mean, single malt whiskey producers, um, you know, spent 30 years sending people out from Scotland to explain the category to them. And they kind of pioneered explaining, you know, the category, explaining how things are made. And they, they did the work, right? Yeah. And then gin, you know, gin producers, I mean, gin was, you know, you did not need any gins, right? If you had a bottle of Bombay Sapphire and a bottle of Tanqueray and maybe a bottle of Beefeater, you had the category covered. And then, um, so gin producers and, you know, did did the work to, you know, speak to bartenders and try to, um, you know, ex try to convince them that martinis should be made with gin again. <laughs> and so I think, um, you know, probably, and we as the, you know, the biggest rum producer probably have to say, you know, did, did we work hard enough to promote the category? And that's certainly something we're doing now. You know, we're doing, you know, very much doing, putting huge focus on education, huge focus on uh, kind of helping people understand, you know, how rums are aged and the process and the different flavours and what various age statements mean and that sort of thing. And, and But I think probably, you know, rum producers probably have to look back and say, you know, hey, the, you know, in 1985, that could have been us. You know, and instead it turned out to be single malt whiskey that kind of, you know, had the boom and that could have been rum producers. So, you know, did, were, 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 you know, were we putting in the work, right, to, uh, to explain, you know, why we think our particular spirits are unique. And, and likewise, the tequila category, I mean, tequila producers, you know, Patron probably above all others, you know, did the work to explain to people, you know, why is 100% agave different? Why should you pay more for it? What's the difference between a Blanco, Reposado and Añejo? They explained those concepts very well and so that it became you know and and you know and I think uh, consumers responded very well so I think for rum you're starting to see um, you know rum producers such as ourselves but also many of the other larger and smaller companies putting a huge focus on education about rum and I think that's what's having the flow-on effect in bartender enthusiasm for for rum and now consumers falling in love with it as well the other thing about rum is you know it's the um, Drinks made with rum, I mean, this is not sort of rye whiskey, right, where it's like you f the first time you tr drink it, you're like, whoa, how am I supposed to drink this? <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's not Baiju and it's not Mezcal, right? I mean, rum drinks, you know, the daiquiri, the mojito, uh, you know, the pina colada, they are extremely easy to drink and to fall in love with. Yeah. And so I think, you know, rum has all the assets, if you like, the right tools. I think it just needs, you know, consistent consistency and hopefully that's something that you know we at Bacardi and some of our um, our peers in the rum industry are, are starting to provide great well we're headed to uh, bathtub gin yes all right. indeed. and uh, here, right. you're gonna be behind the bar maybe uh, I <laughs> no? will be although don't worry I won't make you drink anything I make it's been a long time since I made drinks for money <laughs> and that's all part of the back to the bar program yeah. so uh, yeah one more time just um, all so all the Bacardi employees go out to bars today. Yes, yeah. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, <laughs> so we have about uh, seven thousand employees in about a hundred uh, over a hundred cities. Um, so literally, you know, wherever we have a um, uh, you know wherever we have an office or a distillery or a bottling plant or or whatever it might be, um, those employees, you know, we tell them to down tools if you like and and uh, head out for the day and you know go out to the you know go go and support their local bars and restaurants and that, that can be um, you know we're lucky obviously in New York City that gives us access to some of the best bars in the world um, but in you know some we have distilleries in you know remote parts of rural Scotland so they go down to the nearest pub right, right? and say so, you know <laughs> and hopefully they have the whiskey that, that they make great. yeah <laughs> you know but wherever uh, you know wherever we are there is a bar nearby and so this is just a to a day for us to kind of remind ourselves what it is we do um, and also to say thank you to the bars and restaurants that support you know, Bacardi 365 days of the year. That's great. 
Well, Jacob, it's such a cool. pleasure. Thanks for taking great. the time. Thank you, Brian. It's so great to see you again. I do want one of your drinks. Okay, great conversation there. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber, and we'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Cheers. <laughs>